Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Hello, and thanks for tuning in again to the latest conversation about how to be successful, profitable, and have a great time as a photographer. Um, This is where I do my shameless plug, so please and thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast. And also, I would love to support you in your journey by connecting one-on-one have you joined my private insight training for photographers group. And I also invite you to grab a copy of my marketing book called 10 big ideas for marketing high end photography in the real world. You can get that at lucydumascoaching.com and learn more about me and connect with me there. So this week's guest, Andrew Darlow is someone I met recently in a coaching group. We have 77 mutual Facebook friends, and most of them are people that I have personally hugged, shared a meal, or had a laugh with. And yet, we had never heard of each other until a few short months ago. I imagine that we passed each other in the halls at a PPA or WPPI Expo, sat in the same audiences, or read the same articles in photo magazines on the same day. That's a picture I have. (laughs) So I feel really lucky that I finally connected with someone destined to be a good friend. And I am so thrilled to have you get to know him and make him a friend of yours as well. So welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Lucy. It's great to be here. Thank you. So let me tell you a little about this amazing guy. He's an award-winning photographer, author, and digital workflow coach. He's lectured and conducted seminars and workshops around the world at photo conferences and for photography organizations, including WPPI, the Arles Photo Festival in France. Ooh, fancy. (laughs) Photo Plus Expo and the International Center of Photography in New York City. His editorial and fine art work have been featured in numerous magazines, newspapers, and TV programs, including Animal Planet, People Magazine, and CBS News. He's the author of four award-winning books, and he specializes in helping photographers of all levels organize their collections and set up automated workflows and backups. My reason, Andrew, for inviting you to be on my show about the profitable photographer is because I know, and I'm sure you know, that it's important to have healthy business practices, especially when it comes to our files, our editing, making sure we can find things, making sure that stuff doesn't crash and we end up crying or running off to a desert island where no one can find us. (laughs) So I know you have a lot to share. So again, thanks for saying yes to being on my show. Well, it's really an honor and I can't wait to dig in and share some of my trials and tribulations and success stories. Like what do you want people really to be thinking about now as we're talking? Like what's the core of your message? I would say always think about the fact that at any moment, any of your data 
can easily go away and feel ahead of time what it would feel like if right now your computer or the seven or eight SD cards you might have sitting there that haven't yet been loaded, if they just vanished and mm. how you would feel about that particular situation. And then I just bring that back a bit and a step or two to try to help people to do just enough to protect themselves without going crazy and really spending so much extra money and so much extra time. What, what would going crazy look like to you? Going crazy would be like having seven backups instead of maybe four. Uh-huh. And there's, you can really overdo it. You could have multiple, let's say, five or $6,000 RAID systems instead of maybe just two really good quality hard drives. Those are just a couple examples of how you can do everything you need to do to be protected without completely breaking the bank. What is a RAID, by the way? A RAID is a redundant array of independent disks, and that allows you, it allows you to have multiple drives in an enclosure, and depending how you set it up, there is redundancy, meaning if one drive fails, the system should be able to help by pulling one out and putting a new drive in the system should be able to rebuild itself and come back to life and it gets kind of complicated but it's one of the things that people do to help safeguard their images especially photographers and videographers sounds like you feel like that's not necessary though i do not feel like it's necessary because i've found that with high quality individual disk drives hard drives, there are ways you can set them up so that they almost act like a RAID. They're not a RAID, so it may not be quite as secure, but they act like a RAID and the cost is generally about half. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. We like to save money. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to say which RAID it is, but I had very unfortunate experiences when I had my RAID system no longer work with any of my computers. And so the whole array was no longer readable. So is there a danger with RAIDs that are actually not as dangerous as the regular ones? Or was that just my bad luck? Any drive can fail. In fact, they say every drive will fail. And it's just unfortunate when sometimes inside of a RAID, even if you have two drive redundancy, sometimes either right away or while the system is starting to fix itself, when you put back one or two drives, sometimes things go wrong and it's, it's unfortunate. So nothing is foolproof. That's why I try to put in systems that will really help to alleviate or mitigate these problems. You, you can't do everything, but I believe that The system that I built for myself and I built for my clients really helps greatly compared to what 90% of people are doing out in the wild. Okay, in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Actually, I have photographer friends who are out in the wild. So yeah, it's not unreasonable, but even a wedding (laughs) is out in the wild. Mm -hmm. So I know we've touched on it. Can you give me a little more clarity about how to avoid losing important files in general, like what, what your basic system is? 
that you recommend? Sure. I can give you a couple of the hallmarks or the, the main milestones. So the first thing that I always recommend people consider is a battery backup. And the reason why is because as great as electricity is, at any time you could have some type of electrical problem, uh, whether it's just for a second, you could have just a little dropout of electricity, or it could be for hours or days, and there are plenty of people who know what, what that's like. So that's why I highly recommend that. And the only time you don't really have to think too much about that is if you happen to have a laptop and you only use bus-powered hard drives and devices, meaning the only thing that plugs into a wall is your power adapter. And that's like a little tip for anyone who's maybe trying to decide between the big shiny iMac and a MacBook Pro with an external monitor. This can keep you from having, in my opinion, I believe it's having to purchase a, a battery backup because mm -hmm. the iMac definitely has to be plugged into a wall or a power strip uh, and then into a wall. Whereas yeah. a laptop doesn't, as long as you're yeah. using bus-powered drives that don't plug into a wall. Huh. So what's the danger when there's, a, when there's a blip of electricity? I live in an older house, and until I upgraded routinely, you know, if I turned the fan on and the computer and then started to vacuum, you know, everything could turn off. So what's the danger when there's a power outage and the computer's still plugged in? Okay, the big one would be with anything that's spinning, like a spinning hard drive, if you're writing data, let's say from your latest photo shoot from an SD card to an external drive or a RAID and the power just cuts out, that could be extremely bad for your, S maybe not your SD card as much, but certainly for the drive and then possibly for the computer. Mm. So you never know. It could be fine, but all it takes is one time, would you say? Yes. and. I can't tell you how many people I have helped purchase battery backups and they've been <laughs> very happy. And by the way, just because you happen to have a battery backup or uninterruptible power supply, just because you have it doesn't mean that it's foolproof. So like just today, I heard this loud crack of thunder and a flash of lightning I saw. And immediately I made sure none of my hard drives were connected. I put my laptop to sleep and then I turned off any of the hard drives. And then I turned off the UPS, which is the, the battery backup. Then I pulled the plug out of the wall because Mother Nature is much stronger than almost any device. So I do not want any problem. Even if you think you're protected, you may not be protected. Yeah, because stuff happens. Yes. <laughs> Doo-doo can be spontaneous. <laughs> yes, and I'll throw in a couple extra tips. If you happen to have little people in your house or animals and things, just realize that these backup devices sometimes just have a little button on them, uh, which if pressed, you will lose power to all the devices that are being battery backed up. So that's just a little extra thing just to be a little careful of if you do put one of these in your home. Also, I, I should say I'm not going to really recommend any specific products because there are things that you have to be really careful about. One of them is electricity. And these uninterruptible power supplies all have different ratings. They can all accept a different amount of power and they'll all last a different amount of time depending on how much power and how many things are plugged into the battery backed up side. Usually they're on either 
two sides or there's a long strip and half of them or sometimes 60% of them are battery backed up and the other half are just like plugging them into a power right. strip. So you have to be a little careful. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize and I'm so happy I can share it with you because I didn't think about it for a while. Do you know that Apple has turned us all into dock purchasers? <laughs> you know, everybody has these docks that have to, you have to plug in all of your devices. Now, for the better docks, they have to be plugged into a wall. If you don't plug that into the battery backed up side of your UPS and you have an expensive hard drive or RAID plugged into your dock, well, your dock is going to go off when your power goes off. Ah, so this may be like for techie phobic people, it might be like, what is all that? What's a dock? But I suggest you figure out what Andrew is actually saying because I realize I don't know where that's plugged in. So after we're done here, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> sure. And another word, another word for them before they got fancy is hub. Yes, that makes more sense to me. Okay, so that's tip one, power backup. So what's the next thing to protect our data or the, the system when I'm like, I'm just going to start out doing healthy practices with my files from day one. So what else would I want before I ever load anything into my computer? The easiest thing is to set up something like Time Machine if you're on a Mac. Now, Windows has something similar. I am more familiar with the Mac side, so I'll speak to that for now. Time Machine is an outstanding piece of software that Apple invented quite a long time ago. And my recommendation is to dedicate a, an external drive or there are more fancy ways to, to run it over a network. But regardless, I recommend setting it up and allowing it just to do its thing. If you, you can basically just plug it in and the operating system will generally come up and say, would you like to use this? With Time Machine, and you can say yes. Well, I would. And so, then, how many? But can we back up a little bit in terms of what should I go buy in order to set these things up? What do I? What do I need in terms of hardware besides the battery? And do I need an online system as well? And are there some you recommend? Okay, so the online system will come later, but the Time Machine, okay. just an actual drive. You may have an existing drive that you upgraded. Maybe you have a two or three terabyte drive that you no longer are using. I personally would recommend for photographers to get either an eight, a 10, or a 12 terabyte drive and dedicate it to Time Machine. Okay. And the reason why is because most people think of Time Machine as just backing up your operating system and whatever's on your computer, whether it be the iMac or whether it's your laptop, but they don't always think about using Time Machine to also back up their main hard drive that mm. most people use as an external device or in a RAID. So that's why I think Time Machine is outstanding because it just works and it just keeps working and it just goes and goes and goes. And when you do have a problem, it's assuming you didn't have a flood or fire, it's there for you. You could just go to the Apple store and bring your, your, your Time Machine drive and they can have you up and running with the exact applications and everything that was on your computer and everything that was on your external drive in not too long. 
But what if, just like there's Canon lovers and Nikon lovers and now Sony lovers, there are non-Apple users, there are PC people. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you suggest for them so they're not like super sad that they don't have time machine? Well, Windows actually had this approach even before Apple. So ah. they, they have something similar. And I would just recommend that you find out the best way to set it up and run it in a similar manner. Okay. So how many hard drives do you think someone ought to have? Okay. Well, it really depends on your workflow and how large the hard drives are and how paranoid, <laughs> I'm sorry to use that word, but how much you care about your data. So what, whatever you need to help you sleep at night, would you say that's sort of the, the benchmark? Yes. But if I were to really break it down, my recommendation would be, I'm assuming for a second that most people are using an external drive for most of their work and they're picking up files, referencing files when they're working in Adobe Camera Raw or Lightroom or you know, so Luminar. Andrew, yes. You would be surprised at how many of my coaching clients are just working on their laptop or their computer with zero external hard drives, no backup whatsoever. So, can you give a minimum recommendation for people who are realizing now as they're listening to you, okay, I need to do something else. What should I go buy? Two of them, three of them. I know you've got one for time machine, but you're not going to be working out of time machine. Can you, you know, for people that have not yet set up anything outside of their computer? Sure. So if you are doing most of your work, on a computer, meaning all of your main files that you're referencing, and let's say from Lightroom or you're working in Adobe Camera Raw and all your files are actually on your computer, then I would recommend that you have the one external drive for Time Machine, which, which will cover everything that's on the computer. And then I would recommend you have another drive, external drive, and that one is backing up all of your files that are not related to your system, meaning all of your pictures, all of your videos. Documents, videos. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. That's called the sync drive, S-Y-N-C. And there's different software that you can use to, to set that up. I love a simple and inexpensive piece of software called Get Backup Pro. Uh, there's a lot of others. ChronoSync is one of the most well-known. So, what people use is really up to them, but okay. But something called sync, something that's a yes, syncing up the work that you're doing on your computer with the external hard drive. Yes, exactly. Okay, so Andrew, you're suggesting, if I'm understanding this right, that even if someone is working on their laptop, it's super smart to have an external hard drive plugged in with a syncing system so that the work you're doing on your laptop is also being backed up and duplicated in the external hard drive, correct? Yes, exactly. So basically, in the most simple level, you would have two external hard drives, one with the time machine backup going and the other one with your important files being synced as you are creating and editing them. So me sitting in my chair with my feet up and a cup of coffee and 
snacks over on the left editing that way that's not going to work i need to find a desktop and <laughs> uh, well yeah. I, I would recommend you don't have to have a desktop but the laptop works just fine and there oh, are I mean, yeah. putting the laptop sorry to interrupt mm -hmm. on a desk so that i can plug all this other stuff in and not be juggling it and having it all unplug accidentally that would be ideal there are wireless approaches i don't trust them as much but some people okay. Some people do. Okay. So then what's the other, I know you said you'd get to the in the sky <laughs> backup. So um, I think for my brain, trying to follow the plan here, I'd want to know about something that's not plugged in. So do you have some recommendations or what would you do in regards to that? Absolutely. I consider this also a very important part of any backup that's important to the person who has pictures or important data. And that's a cloud backup system. There are a number of companies who make the application and have the service. And some of the most well-known ones are iDrive and Backblaze, Carbonite, and CrashPlan. Those are some of the, the big boys, as they say. And I would say Backblaze, to me, is probably, this is my opinion, the most reliable and just the best company on the planet for online backup. That's my feeling. But <laughs> there's a big but. Uh, issue here. <laughs> you need to be very careful because CrashPlan, unlike Backblaze, will never delete any of the files that you upload to their cloud. However, Backblaze is not like that. If you don't abide by a certain system meaning plug in every so often and there are ways to kind of extend this up to six months but if you're not careful and you unplug whatever was being backed up to backblaze for let's say initially it's 30 days you will find that your data is going to come off of their server and so <gasps> you have to be very careful this and is scary to me <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, so if you're someone who takes three months, six months trips, you need to be very careful. Like I said, there is a hack, if you would call it, and they tell you how to do it. But most people don't know how to trick Backblaze into not realizing that the external drive is not still connected. So if you have Backblaze and you did not know this, you'll just want to take a look at their support pages and see if next time you plan to take a trip, especially if it's over 30 days, you'll definitely want to read that because it's very important. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So uh, there's, also, there's also something related to cost there. Backblaze for a while was about $5 a month. I think they just went up like a dollar a month. So it's about $6 a month and that's unlimited. Oh, wow. So I have like 11 terabytes up on Backblaze. I doubt they're making much money on me, but on average, <laughs> on, on average they do very well, I'm sure. And CrashPlan is about $10 per month. It used to be about five, but I think they, okay. they realized how expensive it was to support all these people. So that's, that's important just to consider. Okay. Now, do these backup systems download raw files? Absolutely. Okay. No matter what, unless you have some system files that it ignores, and for the most part, and this is very important, for the most part, these systems will upload even files that are too 
or three or four or 10 gigabytes. Wow. However, this is a little trick. Backblaze has a, an option where you can limit the largest file size that it will upload. So if you happen to have a file that you know is like some video file and you know you have it backed up somewhere like in two or three different places and it's like five gigabytes or 10 gigabytes or 20 gigabytes, you can have it stop at four gigabytes, for example. Ah, okay. So a couple things and you may think this is not wise, but I use iCloud for a short range backup because there's only so much space that that they can give you. And I also, Zenfolio is a program that has an option for unlimited. And I use Zenfolio for some different uses here and there. So that's sort of my little extra. I just load my edited JPEGs on those, the ones that are ready to go to print. So in a pinch, that's always handy as well. So just a little extra thought. Yes. Okay. Is that good? And can we then go on to, I've arrived at home and I've got a bunch of uh, memory cards and what do you suggest I do from there? Or are we complete with the getting set up to import? Well, I believe that the other thing we didn't talk too much about, maybe we'll save that for later is smartphones because that's like, an issue that should definitely be discussed. Do you want to do that later? Well, let's do it now because now I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Smartphones. Okay. Now, as I think we all know, smartphones are just amazing. The the quality of image that they can create, even though not quite high-end mirrorless or high-end DSLR, is pretty incredible. So a lot of photographers are using them, especially for video. And Mm -hmm. video takes up a lot of space. So now we have this dilemma and it's much different than we used to have with our cameras because we would usually have an extra SD, SD card or CF card. But unless you have a phone that has an, an extra slot for like a micro SD card, Mm -hmm. then you are probably going to fill up the internal memory of your smartphone. So you need to have some type of system to deal with this. And without getting too complicated, you can rely on Apple if you have an iPhone. It's quite a good system. It gets a little bit expensive as you go higher, let's Mm -hmm. say. And I believe it tops out as we're speaking on this day that we're speaking uh, at about two terabytes. Right. Uh, yeah, for, I just looked into that. For your two. maximum amount of storage, which is great for 98% of people, but photographers are not just normal users of data. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. you know, just anyone who f- does video for weddings, for example, or right. a video shoot is going to just blow past that quickly. So right. you, have, you have a dilemma. And okay. so what I recommend you do is without going into all the details you can view everything that's on your smartphone there's software to do that apple has a program to do that and then you can go in and you can either do it on a schedule or you can just do it after you 
have a project and you treat it like an SD card in that you pull it off and you put it onto either your main computer or an external drive and then maybe you wait about three days until you know that your data is in at least three places and in the cloud and then you can delete whatever you want and whatever you keep stays on your phone. Ah. So that's the easiest way I can explain it. Okay. So plug it in, download, don't erase anything, let the system do its job because then Time Machine's going to back it up and my, my sync is going to back it up as well. Mm-hmm. going to end up in Backblaze or some other program and then at that point just kind of wait and then in three days later I can plug it back in and I can just keep my favorites on there and know that the rest is safe. Yes, exactly. Okay, good. Thank you for that because, mm-hmm. yes, a lot of people – have great systems for their professional work and their artist creative work and then their iPhone pictures or their other smartphone pictures are not not as safe you know they're in danger so okay (laughs) so is it good time to go on to I've done a, a fun event I've got a bunch of memory cards do you have tips for helping photographers avoid losing important files before they even get into the computer Yes, definitely. The number one way was the battery backup, which we talked about earlier. But there's some other things that you can definitely do. And that is restarting your computer before a big project or before... Before you download a big project? Yes, before you download a big project or even before you work on a big project because that clears a lot of the internal cruft as they call it. And in some cases, depending on your computer, it will do some type of update if it needs it at that time. Okay. So that can really, really help as you, before you even get started. And also, if you've ever noticed and you plug in, uh, this, this is like one of the most scary things. You plug in a hard drive, a USB, you see, or you know, USB cable, and the drive does not pop up on your mm-hmm. desktop. So this is a good time to just relax and restart with the hard drive still plugged in. And in many, many cases, it's just going to pop up upon restart. Ah, okay. All right. So I sit down, I've got a handful of memory cards. I restart my computer. Tell me if you think this is true or a myth. You ready? Yes. Okay. So I have been told by an expert at some workshop that it is very unwise to delete files on your camera that in the event, let's say you're photographing something and you're like, Oh yeah, that's terrible. You know, you're just waiting around for something else at a wedding to happen. And you think I'll just delete a few files, save some memory on this card that in the event that you had to recover information on that card, if you've deleted some files, it's much more difficult to do that. Have you heard that? Yes, absolutely. I used to do that when cards were much smaller and if I was at an important event and I needed a few extra pictures, I would do it, but I highly recommend you don't do it. And I also highly don't, recommend, I know we all do this and I do it too, I don't recommend you shoot until the card is completely empty. 
that's just another thing to consider being aware of as you're shooting. Because it compromises the card potentially if it's full? Because you don't want everything on one card. No, I think that as you get closer to filling up the card, my understanding is that it's better not to actually have it right uh, all the way to the end and have it bump up against the the end of all the data. Wow, there's good error, to know. There's error corrections and things going on. And I'm mm-hmm. not an expert in flash media, but the first part I can say for sure, you do not want to delete any pictures on your camera. And then you, I know 99.9% of people know this. You do not want to reformat a card in your computer. You yes. want to reformat <laughs> it in the camera. Right. Yeah. So that second tip is probably worth the cost of admission. <laughs> yeah. All right. What are some of the things you can help photographers who are busy speed up their overall editing process? Or is there more you want to share about what you need to do when you're downloading? Or is it a good time to move on to the editing portion of our class? Uh, With regard to downloading, I believe... Okay, let me just tell you this. I'm only going to say this for people who do work that it's so important that it not get damaged or somehow have a some kind of problem with the downloading. And this is a little tip that, that I talk about. And that is if you are going to download to one computer, it's not a bad idea if this is really important data to download to another computer as well, completely separate from the first computer. What it does is it helps to really increase the chance that your data will not get lost. You think a lot of people have two computers? Yes. I think most people who are professionals have two computers. I'm not saying that you have to do this, but I am saying if this data is so important, and especially if you don't, a lot of people do not have the ability to get files up to a cloud backup quickly. It's just the, the nature of the way the internet is. And other people have caps. So they, they have like a one terabyte cap per month or even less. And right. so in that case, you may want to do this strategy. Okay. So let's move into the overall editing process. I think we have a few more minutes on that. If you can help us busy photographers speed up our process. Absolutely. So one thing you can do is to try not to have multiple applications open at the same time, especially Lightroom and Photoshop. That's because each one fights for your RAM and Mm. RAM is generally for most people, you're in the eight to 16 gigabytes of RAM and Each one of these programs will happily use most, if not all of that. And that's one of the biggest things I can recommend. And if you have to work in both, then once you're done, I recommend you restart your computer and open one and really you'll find, I believe, a big increase in speed. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for me and our listeners? Yes, there are a few other things like, for example, with printing. This is one of my my loves is is printing. And I've been teaching printing. I've been making prints for so many years for myself and others. And one of the things people 
tend to do is they look at the different options when they go to make a print, let's say a 13 by 19 inch print, and they just choose the highest quality and never would think to press a button that says high speed because they think that it's really going to degrade the quality. But there's like a magic balance between quality and speed. And depending on the printer, you can often speed up your printing with virtually no or no visual loss of quality by choosing, let's say, a slightly lower DPI resolution inside of the print uh, oh. driver. Let's say, for example, I'll give you a specific one. In, in Epson printers, I believe for 90% of work, if you have 2880 and the high speed checked, that's a perfect mix that will give you excellent quality and also very good speed. Awesome. So I'd love to ask you for a definition of success. A definition of success is, in my mind, being able to do what you would like to do with whom you'd like to do it, when you'd like to do it, and also be able to be a good citizen while you do it. I like that. So obviously, we could talk for you know hours and you could help someone like me who and maybe there's a few other of my listeners who technology is not their first love, <laughs> we'll say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if people want support from you or to learn more about where you might be speaking or any opportunity to connect with you and to take a look at your work, where would they find you? Okay, well, I think I will mention two websites. One is just my name, andrewdarlow.com. And the other one, though, I'll have a, a little gift for your listeners. Oh, you got some goodies for us, huh? Yes. And I think it will be useful for people, especially if you use Lightroom. But even if not, I'll have some, some good things there for you. It's workflowschool.com forward slash profit. Mm, profit like the profitable photographer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So even the... Me, I'm the big cheerleader for using Bridge and Adobe Camera Raw and not wasting my time with that evil Lightroom. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has their opinion, I know. Yes. Well, I tried so hard to understand it and finally concluded that ACR and Bridge is my dream date. And so that still would be valuable for me, it sounds like. I want to thank you so much. This has been really valuable and you make it so simple and clear, Andrew. I'm sure everyone else feels that as well. This is awesome. Well, thank you, Lucy. It's really nice to be able to speak to you and your yeah. audience. And I, I feel like even if I helped one person save one file, it was worth all the time <laughs> I spent here. That's right. So it's like the starfish story. You know the starfish story? Oh, uh, no. Okay. So there was a storm out at sea and all kinds of starfish got washed up on the beach. And if they didn't get back in the ocean, they were going to die. And there was a man walking on the beach, picking up one at a time and throwing it back in the ocean. And someone came up to him and said, you know, you can't save them all. And he said, no, but I can save this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's great. Yes. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for tuning in again, or for your first time, whatever it is. And for connecting if you want to know more about Insight Training for Photographers. And if you listen to the recording at the end, I think you'll hear the 
the details again. So um, it's just been delightful. And I imagine I'd love to have you come back and share more. Maybe I'll even open my mind about Lightroom and you can do a Lightroom share with us. Oh, How would that be? That sounds good. Maybe okay. I can do that. Thank yeah. you. Yay. Okay. Thank you. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.